one of the great problems with the Church of Jesus Christ today. We're brokering and buying best practices from the world. We think we can run the joint just like a corporation is run. We've despiritualized everything and our desire to reflect and attract and all this other kind of thing. We have lost our birthright. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. Please join us as we continue in Crawford's series, Supernatural. We are learning about the Holy Spirit and what role He plays in the Trinity. In a moment, part two of last week's message, The Works of the Holy Spirit. If you're new to us, Crawford has been in pastoral and organizational Christian ministry for over 50 years. He's currently president of Beyond Our Generation, a mentoring program for those in leadership. He's authored such books as Unshaken, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, co-authored by his wife Karen, and Lessons from a Life Coach. Now last week Crawford began to list five works of the Holy Spirit, and here's what he talked about so far. The Holy Spirit is the agent of creation, he's the agent of the incarnation, he's the agent of regeneration, and Crawford touched on the fourth, the Holy Spirit is the agent of transformation. And that's where we'll pick it up today after a short review. Our text is Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Titus 3, 3 through 6. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, we had none, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's how we became new whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That prepositional phrase, through Jesus Christ our Savior, really hints at the Holy Spirit being the agent of Jesus in our salvation. That we received new life from him. We were made new creatures. To be regenerate means to give life. The Holy Spirit is the author and cause of the new birth. Uh, that's what the whole issue was in John chapter 3, wasn't it? Oh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, this religious leader. Uh, he kept the law, but he was close. He was intrigued by Jesus. He didn't want to see him during the daytime. His friends to see him going to Jesus uh, and talking to this renegade. So he comes to Jesus at night. And Jesus looks at him and says, Nicodemus, going to cut to the chase, my man. You must be born again. Nicodemus was a religious man. He knew the law. He did know all these things. He was a good moral person, probably, like perhaps some of you here know the Bible. You read the Bible. You've been around Christian folks. You don't do too many nasty things. And just as Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says to you and he says to all of us, but you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, yo, dude, how can I do that? Do I go back in my mother's womb and go through that process again? What are you, what are you talking about born again? And Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm talking about, man. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. And thus he says in verse 6 of John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, you need a spiritual rebirth. There's a lot of death in you. There's a lot of old stuff in you. 
And you're not going to get rid of that stuff by, by, by kind of like brokering new habits or new ways of coping with stuff or new information or new process or, or new friends or new environment or, or a new worldview. No, no, no. What needs to take place is a spiritual renovation in your heart. You, you, need, you need new life. You need something that's going to change you from the inside. You see, regeneration by the Holy Spirit is the spiritual counterpart to human reproduction. Human reproduction produces human life. Spiritual regeneration produces spiritual life. You see, when we come to Christ, we become a different new person. We just don't acquire new habits. I happen to believe that this might be a little bit of a missing element when we preach the gospel. You, when we come to Jesus, it's not about just having a new way of life. It's not about just having new processes or new habits or new things to overcome, new examples. No, 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 no. When we come to Jesus, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, uh, I like the old, the old King James Version when it says he quickens our mortal bodies. He gives life to our mortal bodies. No, you're not the same person. You are a different person when you come to Jesus. There's not, not, not just renovation. No, we're new creatures when we come to Jesus. And I wish we would celebrate that a lot more. In our desire to identify with people and talk about our backgrounds and to see the impact of our backgrounds and our personalities and the influences that it has on us, and don't get me wrong, it does, but in our desire to identify that, sometimes I think we elevate that too high and we downplay the new life that we have in Christ and the new power that we have to overcome. You don't have to keep doing the same stuff that you used to do. I don't have to keep doing those things. There's more than new habit patterns inside of here. There's a new person. And the Holy Spirit is the author of that new identity. He's the author and the agent of regeneration. Number four, the Holy Spirit is also the agent of transformation. What I mean by that, I don't, I just actually, you can say, well, Crawford, you just talked about that. What, what I mean by that is something a little more. I, I, I'm, I'm referring to the church here. Perhaps I should have used the expression, the Holy Spirit is the agent of inauguration. But inauguration doesn't necessarily say the same thing. Um, by transformation, I'm talking about this new thing called the church, or, 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 or this new thing called God's resident work in the world. He's the author of that. The Holy Spirit gives life to his church. In Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read this text in a moment, but let me just set it up here for a while. Uh, as you read Acts chapter 1, you realize these disciples had been with Jesus, and They'd been prepared to follow him. They had seen his post-resurrected body. They had seen him talk about these miracles. They had answered for 40 days. He had answered all the questions that they had, and they had touched him, and, and they were excited. They were ready to die for him. They were ready to go. 
But Jesus says before his ascension, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave, don't move, don't do anything until you experience the promise of the Father. Remember I told you that he shall be with you and he's going to be in you. Now, parenthetically, let me just say, this is the, one of the great problems with the church of Jesus Christ today. We're trying too hard. We're trying too hard to be an acceptable organization rather than a dynamic spiritual organism. And that's the reason why, that's the reason why we're failing. We're brokering and buying best practices from the world. We think we can run the joint just like a corporation is run. We've despiritualized everything and our desire to reflect and attract and all this other kind of thing, we have lost our birthright. And it's interesting as you read Acts chapter, you say, no, 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 <laughs> come on, man, don't leave here. And then the day of Pentecost takes place. And let me just read these words. I'm not going to parse this text, but I just want to read these four verses to you. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire as a fire um, appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I think sometimes in parsing this too much, we get too tied to the details rather than stepping back and seeing the experience. Can you imagine? There are thousands, thousands of people there in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Thousands of them. And here, among those thousands of people, there's this group of of a small group of followers of Jesus, but in demonstration and power, everybody saw this. Everybody heard this. There is this remarkable initiation and inauguration of the peoples of God in human history. This is the beginning of the church, and the church is to be the representation of God's power and God's solutions for the world. That's the reason why Paul called us the dwelling place of God in the world. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked by this, but I do need to mention this here. Uh, let, let, me, let me just say this to us as family. Listen to me, listen to me. I'm getting a little bit concerned about the number of Christians who are depressed and discouraged over what's taking place here in this recent election. On the other extreme, I'm getting a little bit concerned about Christians who are too elated about what's taking place in this election. And as if we're putting our trust and our hope and transformation on an individual. I would remind you that there's never been an administration in that White House that has changed the moral fiber of this country. Eisenhower didn't do it in my lifetime. JFK didn't do it in my lifetime. Johnson didn't do it in my lifetime. Jimmy Carter didn't do it in my lifetime. Gerald Ford didn't do it. Nixon didn't do it. Ronald Reagan didn't do it. Obama didn't do it. And neither is this president going to do it. And listen to me, listen to me, I'm not, I'm, I, what, I, what I'm saying to us is this. I don't think any follower of Jesus Christ has any business being depressed over what is taking place right now or unduly grieved. 
because God is giving us another opportunity to stand in the gap and to be the moral leaders that he ordained his church to be in the context of human history. They don't have the answers, but we have the spirit of God that lives inside of us. The answer to the division in the culture is the unity in the church. The answer to the racism in the culture is the oneness in the church. And the answer to the, 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 the mess that's going out there is the healing that takes place in the church. And this is the era of the Spirit of God. So mind you, and let me finish saying this. If I'm going to get some mail, I'm going to make it good. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me. 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 I, I love this country. I am patriotic, and I love our history. God superintended. Yes, he did our Constitution. God watched over us. What an amazing thing that God has done in our history. What an amazing thing. But I want to warn all of us. I want to warn all of us here. I want us to remember, as great as we are, and as much as God has blessed us, God does not stand up when our national anthem is played. Amen. Do you hear me? That there's only one king, there's only one Lord, there's only one power for transformation, and that is our Savior. And he has ordained the body of Christ, the church of the living God, that is the dwelling place and activity of the Spirit of God to be the moral hope for all time. And that is our noble calling. And it's about time that we begin preaching the gospel and living the gospel and living victorious lives to represent our Savior and not be so concerned about reflecting the trends of the culture, but reflect the kingdom, live like people, live like people, as Russell Moore says, who are from the boundaries of another kingdom. That's who he's called us to be. And that's the reason why the church was inaugurated here. There's a lot of word pictures here, and I don't have the time to go through all of this. But the Holy Spirit's entrance was audible and visible. This was not just a ceremony. Now, the inauguration of all the presidents, I know we use terms like the peaceful transfer of power. In a sense, that is true, but in a sense, it's not true. Because there, there is nothing inherently powerful about, you know, take the oath of office and you, and you swear to uphold the, the Constitution and protect and defend the peoples, of it, et cetera. That's really wonderful. That, that's great. But that's a ceremony. What we have here is an inauguration of power. There's no inherent ability in that ceremony. Here on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God shows up, there's the introduction of inherent ability and power. And that's what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is really all about. And the whole picture of a mighty rushing wind, it's, it's, it, it, it can be likened to a tornado. Can you imagine? You're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you hear this sound the expression tongues of fire. We so focus on the tongues that the, the real emphasis here is fire. Fire is a picture throughout the scriptures of the presence of God. Exodus chapter 3, Moses, the burning bush, and the pillar of fire that led the Israelites by night. And I think this word picture 
It's to typify what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. It is the place where the fire of heaven resides. It is the place where the very presence of God is. That's who we are. That's, again, I quoted this already. That's what Paul meant in Ephesians 2 when he says that we, we are the dwelling place of God in the world. It's the reason why we got to be careful of trying to make the church into our own image. God lives here. Not figuratively, not in some allegorical sense, but literally. The very presence of God is among us. It's the place of the activity of the Spirit of God among God's transformed people and before a watching world. Let me land a plane here. So what are the works of the Spirit of God? Well, he's the agent of creation. He's the agent of incarnation. He's the agent of regeneration. He's the agent of transformation or inauguration, if you will. And fifthly and finally, he's the agent of inspiration. All of these things having to do, all of these works, life. Life to creation. Life to our Savior. New life to all of us who say yes to Jesus. Life to his church. And now finally, life to his word life to his word. Uh, As agent of inspiration, he produces God's inherent, inerrant, authoritative word. The Holy Spirit gives life to the word. And there's this classic text, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, that talks about the uniqueness of this book. The word of God is unique. It's, it's, it's It's not the same as your devotional reading. I have good devotional books that I read myself, so I'm not putting that down. You know, it's not the same. Uh, The word of God is unique. This is God's literal written word. Listen to these words. Peter says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God wrote a book. And God used men, yes, used used their personalities, used their backgrounds, all of that. But God the Spirit superintended not only what was said, but how it was said. This is the very word of the living God. And the Spirit of God was dispatched by God to superintend Paul as he wrote, to superintend John as he wrote, to superintend Peter as he wrote, to superintend Moses as he wrote, etc., etc. He fell on them. So what they wrote is the active and the living Word of God. Just as the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, guaranteeing the sinless Christ's humanity, so the Holy Spirit superintended the human writer's to guarantee an inerrant, authoritative scripture. It is God's word. And these are not dead words, just written by ancient dead men. These are active words. These are powerful words. In fact, that's what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
That's the reason why Jesus said when the Spirit of God comes, he will guide you into all truth. And when this book is preached and when this book is read and when this book is taught, the Spirit of God rises up and says, this is my Father's word. Listen to it. Obey it. It will change your life. It is the word of God. The word of God. I get, I get frustrated with Christians who are going around looking for these crazy mystical experiences. I want God to speak to me. Oh, I just want to hear his voice. Well, open your Bible, read it out loud. You just heard the voice of God. <laughs> he is speaking. He has spoken. Two things as a wrap up. One is this. The Holy Spirit is God's agent. Don't resist the power of attorney that he has over our lives. Did you hear me? Now, in future weeks, I'm going to talk about how to be filled with the Spirit, how to be led by the Spirit of God. But let me just tell you, don't resist his power of attorney over our lives. It's not that we can't experience power. It's just that we won't avail ourselves to experiencing that power. Don't resist it. He's God's agent. And life and transforming power is found in our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. You and I, we are not smart enough to empower ourselves. He lives inside of us. Church, it is my burden that we get these things, that we get these things, that we stop wasting moments and lives and months and weeks and days in our lives stuck on the vicious cycle of self-reliance and incremental victories but more defeats. I'm not talking sinless perfection. I'm not saying there's a lack of struggle. But we have power. And the issue is, does that power have us? Father, thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Thank you for that power that's in us. May we yield to him. May we surrender ourselves to him. Lord Jesus, if you used him to create this universe, to give life to the Savior, what can he do inside of us? Oh, God, help us, we pray. May we trust you, depend on you, and submit to the presence and power of your precious spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Crawford Lorenz here on Living a Legacy, the five works of the Holy Spirit. Here they are again. The Holy Spirit is the agent of creation. He's the agent of the incarnation, the agent of regeneration, the agent of transformation, and the Holy Spirit is the agent of inspiration. Crawford is leading us through a series titled Supernatural, and we hope it's reacquainting you with the Holy Spirit's work in the lives of believers. If you're finding it helpful, let us know at livingalegacy.org.
Kevin emailed to say, I'm listening from Tampa Bay, Florida on Moody Radio. I enjoy every message. Thank you so much, Kevin. And John says, wanted to send a quick thank you for this series. God seemed to have brought it to me at just the right time, as he always does. Crawford's teaching has been so clear and easy to apply. I love how he stays true to the context of the scriptures and continues to remind us to do the same. Thank you all for this broadcast, and I look forward to it every week. Well, thank you so much, John. Now, how has God used the teaching on living a legacy to speak to you? Don't make this program a one-way street. It would be encouraging to know that you're with us and benefiting from this weekly broadcast. Go to livingalegacy.org and look for the contact link on the left side of the page, livingalegacy.org. Next week, Crawford takes us to the book of John to look at the Holy Spirit's role in salvation. Come back and study with us again. I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.